Welcome back to another episode of the Suits in the Stadium podcast. I am your host, Casey Coleman. Joining me on this week's episode is Alicia Marinelli. Alicia is currently the founder and CEO of Living Sport. Really enjoyed my conversation with Alicia. I think the biggest thing that stuck out from our conversation was when she talked about the idea of perseverance and sticking to it. It came when I asked the question about how do you deal with rejection when applying for jobs to the point where you want to give up maybe on those things you're pursuing. And she talked about how every no is just a step closer to the next yes. And especially for her and the pursuit of her dreams and the things that she wanted to achieve, nothing was going to get in her way for her to get to where she was trying to go in the sport management space. So really enjoyed my conversation. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Alicia Marinelli. Folks, please help me welcome in this week's guest, Alicia Marinelli. Alicia is currently the founder and CEO of Living Sport. Alicia, how are you today? I am doing outstanding, Casey. Happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Super excited. I know you're headed to Vegas here pretty quick. So thank you for fitting this in and excited to learn about your journey in sports. Yes, we are about to embark on our Super Bowl program. It's our flagship program here at Living Sports traveling with 50 individuals from around the country. So it's quite the trip. It's not just me packing up myself and a couple of my friends. It's yeah. a whole community we're bringing to Vegas. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Before we get into the questions, want to jump into a little bit about what Living Sport is. Uh, how did Living Sport come to be? Just as you mentioned, taking these large groups, not just domestically, but globally as well to these major sporting events. Yeah. Living sports is everything I wanted as a student. So a little bit of background on me. I am a sport management graduate, both undergrad and grad school. I knew I wanted to get into the sport industry. I went to school to work in sports. I then had a career in the NBA, um, the NHL, minor league baseball. And then I got into the sport of cycling, started traveling the world through cycling. That was very different from me for me. And I then thought, like, I need to pass this along to other people. This opportunity doesn't really come presented to you often. So then Living Sports just became this really passion project idea that I just had such fire towards that I started it. And I went from working in sports to becoming a founder of a company that is, a, I, I would say, an experiential education company providing experiences yeah. to those that want to work in sports and giving them access to the largest events that they never thought they'd work. Absolutely. Just curious as you, as you, and again, we'll get into the questions in a second, but I have a follow-up question. As you started in your journey in sports, did you always know you wanted to run your own thing? Was that something that just sprang upon you? Kind of where did that start as I one day want to, you know, lead this thing or was it something you did weren't interested in? Kind of where did that come from? I was always open. I never okay. really knew what I wanted to do in sports. So I talked to a lot of students that have that same feeling. That's okay. But what I did was I tried everything and I tried it 100%. I didn't judge anything before I did it. And I was the type of go-getter young person that stayed after hours to learn departments, to help out, to Love volunteer. It. So I think I didn't have an idea I was going to be on, an entrepreneur, but I let the path take me to where it was while I worked hard. And okay. I would say it's my community that I surrounded myself with that inspired me to then um, become a business owner and, and find a company. 
Love it. Love it. Well, we will go back to the beginning of your journey with our first question. Can you share a bit about your educational background and how it prepared you for your career in sport management? For sure. So I think the best thing about college is the social aspect of it, right? Like you are meeting future business allies in classrooms. I think that's not touched upon enough. Sure. A lot of my classmates, especially grad school, shout out to East Stroudsburg University. It's in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. Got my grad degree there. But a lot of my classmates there went on to do great things too in the sport industry. And one particular, her name is Chastity Brown. Shout out to Chastity. She started, um, when I started my business, she became a program mentor on my program, traveled to numerous countries with me, and she's a professor now. So it was perfect synergy for us to get involved. And that's what school is about. Meet people who you could see you growing in the industry with, not necessarily that person, that's a really good time on Friday or Saturday night. Because <laughs> that will only get you so far. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, how did you navigate internships and entry-level positions to build a foundation for your career in sport management? I didn't do a good job with that. So I waited <laughs> yeah, I waited until my last semester to do my internship. Don't do that. Like this is a competitive market. You should be doing yeah. all sorts of opportunities starting your freshman year. You should work on campus. You should volunteer on campus. That's the easiest thing to do in the athletic department. You should start a sport management club if your school doesn't have one. If you don't have a sport management major, you should create a club anyway. There's lots of schools out there that have a club, a sport management club, but no sport management degree. Maybe Hmm. go to administration, push for that sport management degree, do something to get experience and to um, really have things to put on your resume. But, um, yeah, I waited late and I think that was detrimental. So I, my early in my career, I was kind of climbing t- too late when I should have already been there. But uh, I do believe I really put on and stepped on the gas there after I realized I was behind. And when I did that, I started to take opportunities very seriously. I was a yes man. Like I said yes to every opportunity because at that time in my life, I had no responsibilities. I really had minimal things to pay. So I didn't really like have responsibilities that way, you know, not married, no kids, anything like that. So you have all the time in the world to volunteer, to be around events in your hometown or around. And I just think I wanted to be that intern or that entry level employee that people didn't automatically know I was in that position. They maybe thought I was a real full-time staffer or a manager level. And that is what I did to really gain respect and then also learn when I was early in my days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You've worked, and I took this date from your LinkedIn, so if this is incorrect, I apologize. Uh, You've worked 19 years so far in the sport management field. To what or to whom do you credit your longevity in the sports world? Gosh, that's a long time. Wow. <laughs> 19 years. Thanks. I haven't visited that number in a while. Um, gosh, who do I credit it to? Look, I take inspiration from everybody and everything. Sure. I look for the positive in things. So I am motivated by watching people do great things, whether they are celebrities, athletes, friends, family, 
and I root for them and I cheer for them. So I'm a big believer in the universe, what, you know, everything comes around. And I think there's not one person I could sit here and say, hey, this is all about, there's certainly people in life that aided me and pushed me in the right direction. But I just think I want to talk about today about having the mindset that you could be motivated by anything in life if you're looking for the positive, because there's a lot of positive out there. The, The thing about today's age is we sometimes look for negative. And if you're looking for whatever you're looking for, you will find it. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Uh, Transitioning to the advice portion of our conversation, which skills or qualities do you consider essential for aspiring sport management professionals to cultivate in order to distinguish themselves in a very, and I mean very, because I'm in it right now, competitive job market? It goes back to personality. It goes back to being a person people want to hire. And it goes back to putting yourself in positions to let luck happen. Okay. What that means is you're not going to find a job by sitting in front of your computer. You have to get out there. Yes, it may cost a couple dollars to drive to the neighboring city when there's a job fair, but you got to do it because that's how you build your brand reputation. And when you're there, don't just hand in your resume and leave. You you stand there and you talk and you network. And it may be uncomfortable at moments when you're standing there by yourself, but getting comfortable being uncomfortable is one of those best quotes that I've heard when I was working in the industry that has stuck with me forever. And I continue to tell this to young professionals is putting yourself in positions that other people won't because you want to be better than other people. If you yeah, want to be that. the same as other people, then just, you know, sit at your computer and and hope. But action <laughs> makes your puts your hope into action. Yeah, yeah, great advice for sure. Get off the couch, get out of the chair and go make it happen. I love that. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh next question, how important was mentorship in your journey within sport management and could you share maybe a specific mentor or experience that significantly significantly, excuse me, influenced your career? And then additionally, what advice would you give to individuals seeking meaningful mentorship in the sports management space? Okay. So I'm going to go with this part, two part first. My mentor was my boss when I was my first semester interning with the New York Knicks. So his name was Gary Winkler. He was the event presentation vice president. He is now working at Times Square Alliance, putting on, um, the Times Square, the ball drop on New Year's Eve, and he is a high-level exec there now. Uh, We got along very well. He always told me what a great job I was doing because I worked hard. I did stay after hours longer than other interns. I didn't have to be asked to do anything twice. That was just the type of person I was. But one day he called me into his office and he said, hey, Alicia, could I talk to you? I said, sure. He's like, you know I love you, but I want to give you some advice. And I said, okay. And at that time, I was living in Jersey, so I had to bus into New York City to Madison Square Garden to um, Penn Station, actually Port Authority, and then walk to Penn Station where Madison Square Garden is located. And, you know, that could take a ton of time in New York City traffic. So to report for work for 830, I had to get a six, I believe, 652 bus. And um, I, you know, you would get caught in traffic. So he tells me, you do a great job, but sometimes you arrive to the office two minutes late, three minutes late, 
He's like, I know you're riding the bus and I know other people in the office do that too. And they come in late, but I just want you to always be the professional you are. And some people want people are very, you know, structured on getting there on time. So I don't want to let these three minutes define who you are. And that just stuck with me. And that made me think that bosses like you as a worker, you can't control how your boss views a good worker. So you have to abide by their roles and what they see of value. And it's just respectful to be on time too. So even though there's a big hustle bustle of New York City, he still wanted me there early. So instead of the 652 bus, I then had to change to like a 632 bus, right? So making those sacrifices. And I didn't I didn't necessarily have to do that, but I, I wanted to do that. So he, that was a big point. And I was young at that time, right out of grad school. I remember that clearly. I remember walking into his office. So I think mentorship is very important and having somebody to look up to and know that the the possibilities are out there. And it's so much, life is so much easier when you work with somebody because if they've done it, they could pass all of their secrets onto you. And here's something I'm learning later in life. Okay. A lot of young professionals may not want to hear this, but there are so many masterminds and classes and all of this other stuff that you could pay for that are totally worth getting into communities and learning from the best of the best. You've got to do your research on what's out there. But if you don't know how to get into a community, sometimes you just have to do some research and join some really good communities. It may take some money, but then they will start to connect you with people and then things will start to happen. Right. Um, don't let money get in the way of your dreams because yeah. most people will say they will pay anything for their dreams to come happen, yeah. to happen. But because it's not a guarantee their dreams will happen, they don't look at it as a payoff right now. Yeah. But I'm saying it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You set up the next question perfectly. So I appreciate that. Uh, what advice would you offer to aspiring sports management professionals regarding effective networking? Uh, and how have you, how have your own networking efforts contributed to your career success? Okay. So networking is everything. (laughs) That is everything. Like (laughs) you can know nothing, but people may just love you and love your energy. You radiate and your kind heart. And they may say, I want you on my team. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you up and we're going to get you there. But I bring that energy, bring that team camaraderie, bring that smile, bring whatever you got. I love come work for me. So just know that, that skills are important. Yes. But in any job you go to, you will be learning. You won't know that, especially as a young professional, I like to tell, remind people that your first job out of school is the first time you are getting paid to learn. So you really shouldn't be negotiating because you have no power to negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just continue there to say, um, you have to practice networking. You have to be confident. A lot of young professionals with the intro, they still stutter. Their their voice sounds shy. They're not very fully confident in themselves. If your intro isn't the most confident thing you say, something's wrong because you have been yourself for your whole life. So that statement of, Hey everyone, my name is Alicia Marinelli and I am the founder and CEO at Living Sport. That should be like your best sentence you could say, right? So practice that, be confident, practice your shake, a nice firm shake, and don't be awkward. 
How don't you be awkward? You do it. You keep doing it. You keep doing it until you you don't become awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Great insight there as well. Uh, How have you navigated and overcome the challenges of facing repeated rejection in the pursuit of landing a position in sports? And what advice would you give to individuals grappling with the temptation to give up? I would say that everybody's on a different timeline. Each no is one step closer to that yes. And nobody was going to stop me from accomplishing my dreams. That's it. Right? There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of hurdles in life. And many, many successful people will agree that the good things don't come easy. You have to go through the hard. So anybody who is expecting a job right out of college, unfortunately, I think has to rethink really what is happening out there in the industry, right? Um, Yeah, things that are good aren't supposed to be easy because then everybody would do it. Love that as well. Another great, great nugget there. Uh, Next question. This is a question that Every guest I've asked has a different answer and I love it, but it's just the idea of work-life balance, uh, especially working in sports that is not a Monday through Friday, eight to five. Uh, How do you kind of go about work-life balance, making time for your career and pursuing the things that you want on the professional side, but then also making time for family and friends and other things you enjoy doing outside of work? Yeah, this is a topic a lot of people are really hot on. Me personally, (laughs) I'm not on it. You know, like, I want everybody to do what they love to do. If you love to work and that is your hobby, that is your Netflix, that is your going to the movies, that is your whatever, then that is amazing. And a lot of times those are the people that really find success because success is hard. So I would say work-life balance isn't for everybody. The worst thing in the world is when somebody, myself, I own my own company, is told you work too much. Well, according to who, right? Like (laughs) I want to work like, so just not judging people and knowing that like work-life balance is subjective to each individual and they have their own balance and that is okay. And that is a great point of it. But realizing that work is some people's outlet and work is some people's passion. So if somebody has a passion, like they like to play golf on the weekends, some people like to work on the weekends. That's just what it is. Yeah. Not a, not a cookie cutter answer and different people, uh, invest different amounts of times in each, which is great. Yes. Yes. Uh, final question in the advice portion, as the industry evolves, what trends do you foresee shaping the future of sport management and how can individuals prepare for these changes? Yeah, the easy answers would be like AI and tech and getting (laughs) into all of that, right? Which I think is definitely the answer here. But I would just say marketing is now content creation. So a lot of students say they want to get into marketing, but if you're not comfortable in front of that camera or you don't know how to record TikToks and all of the other social media platform contents, like you may be behind. You have to embrace this form of marketing because that is where it is at right now. Everything's about content. Everything's about recording. Get yourself familiar with that. Even if you don't want to do that, you may be working in a front office that they ask you to participate in a TikTok or do something. So our programs here at Living Sport are focused heavily on 
content creation. My guy, Gary V, who is my business <laughs> idol. I love him. He He's taught me since my, my business was started. It's all about the content. And yeah. that is what I tried so far. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because as you were talking, I was like, those are things that he says. And then I'm obviously following you on social media, know that you guys have a relationship. So that's awesome. Uh, bringing it home, final few questions. What is the most heartwarming or memorable sport moment you witnessed or experienced? Maybe something we as the casual fan would never see on TV, but you had the chance to witness or experience. This is a good question. I've been around the world working in sport. I'm right. very, very fortunate. I'm trying to think of just one moment, but right now just a collage of different moments being at different events, watching a Premier League soccer game, being at the Milano Derby against AC Milan and Inter Milan, and being at a basketball championship in Greece and watching flares erupt <laughs> in the crowd. They actually have to put a net over the, the court because so people don't throw things on the court. That was wild. <laughs> I think a lot of the international events are really cool because you don't get to experience that a lot. Sure. Here, here in the States, I'm a diehard Philadelphia fan, Eagles, okay. Phillies. Okay. And we've been having some good years. You know, they may not always finish with the championship, but we've been, we've been, you know, in the mix, in the talk there. So I would say for that, you know, the one thing that pops into my mind is Chase Utley when in 2008, okay. they won the world series. I remember I was just, I was in college and that was a big monumental moment because before then the Philly sports didn't win anything there for a while. <laughs> And he had this epic speech, Jason Kelsey's Super Bowl speech for the Eagles. That was epic. And actually, the Mummers outfit, if you don't know, it was a colorful, weird-looking yep. outfit that is a symbol of Philadelphia. Um, there's a bar in London called um, Passyunk Avenue, which is a street in Philly, but the bar is called that in London. And okay. When I go to London, I have authentic Philly cheesesteaks, and they have the <laughs> Mummers outfit displayed. So just really living through sport is my passion. Yeah. And every time I could try to seek out a new moment in sport, I do. And I will keep doing that. But my favorite moment that stood out to me is a comp compilation of all of them. Really. Okay. Okay. Love that. Many, many events. That's awesome. Uh, if you could switch roles with any athlete for a day, who would it be and why? Yeah. I'm going to be honest, as I was preparing here, I had a silly answer and now it kind of seems a little <laughs> silly that I don't want to say, but you know, I would just, I, I'm changing my answer, but I will release my, my first thought answer. <laughs> my real answer is Kobe Bryant. The okay. respect he has, unfortunately his life ended way too soon, tragic sure. accident, but his work ethic, his mindset, his intelligence. He knew multiple different languages. He practiced multiple times a day. He was there before everybody else because even as a young basketball player, he knew the more hours he put into his craft, the better he was going to get. And it would put him above his competition. Sure. That is so admirable. And like he inspired so many people and he's from Philadelphia. So as a person, and I'm not talking about his play on the, on the court. Yeah. Not as a basketball player, as a person. Sure, sure. And then 
just just for the behind the scenes, I when when I was preparing, I thought of okay, I want to go with a female question here, support like a female answer, support women in sport, and I'm like, okay, who could I think of? And I thought of the women's national team soccer, and I thought of one player, Julie Ertz, who is okay. married to Zach Ertz, right? And I just think they're a really cute couple, and I think they love each other dearly, and you could clearly see that in the way that they communicate with each other. And during their heyday, she was doing really good on the national team. He was on the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. And just the power couple of it all, being nice people, nice, humble people at the same time, I think that really attracted me. And I I like that. I like that about Julie. She was really, you know, badass on the field and had a really great relationship, um, a loving relationship as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Final question. Uh, if you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a room, what would you choose and why that song? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Every time I walk into a room, it plays. <sighs> There's a couple ways I could go with this. Okay. I would say anything Taylor, anything okay. Taylor Swift, because she is just a powerhouse female in her industry, rocking it at eight years old. She was knocking on music record, music labels, doors in Nashville, trying to give them her CD or her sample, whatever it was back then. Just the grit and determination and passion and love like that Taylor has shown is she's really changed the game of the music industry. And she's been doing that for a while, starting with country music when she was younger. So Mm -hmm. I would say anything Taylor I'm about because I support her tremendously. Also a Pennsylvania girl. Just, yeah. just putting that out there. Yes. Uh, she's from Pennsylvania too. And I'm PA proud. Listen, I travel the world, but I will always go back to my roots because I think that's important. I have but caught that I, through our conversation. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when, when I talk about Taylor, like also a song comes in my mind that I really love and it's Katy Perry Roar. Okay. And it's an older song now, but if you really listen to the the lyrics, it's about like, fighting and clawing and getting what you want when you want. And, you know, you're a champion. Hear me roar. Like, yes, I'm going to get this and I'm going to celebrate. So I like that one too. Love it. Great options there to end. Uh, Alicia, thank you so much for taking some time just to chat and be on the podcast. Uh, As mentioned, you're headed here to Vegas in a few days. Have a great time in Vegas. And thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Casey. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Suits in the Stadium podcast. The Suits in the Stadium podcast is available across all listening platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also new this season, you can see a video version of each episode on our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms, including LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, and share with others who you think would be interested in our podcast. We release new episodes every Monday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next one.